0: Welcome to I'm Absolutely Fine, the podcast from the middle that looks at all the glamour and indignity of being a
1: grown-up. If you listen on the Entale app, that's E-N-T-A-L-E, photos, links and videos of what we're talking about will pop up as you listen. Have a look. Hi everyone, how are you Annabelle? Mm, um, I am Annabelle and I'm absolutely fine, but because I'm a fucking grown-up. I've started pandemic smoking <laughs> and I've combined that because the gyms were shut and also I decided they're unnecessary expense with a little bit of pandemic running. Very good. Um, and the result is a slight uh, pandemic cough oh which is god. unrelated to the actual pandemic but now is not the time when you want to be walking around coughing. No because everyone will think oh my god. Yeah. I know. Coughing behind your mask. Oh,
0: there's something awful. I sneezed behind my mask oh, the other day.
1: It was so disgusting. Great puff of your own sort of inner life and not in a good way. Yeah,
0: exactly. Not in a good way. Well, um... How are you, Em? Hi, I'm Emily. I'm absolutely fine. But honestly, I feel there's only one word to describe me today, and that's drab. I feel drab. I feel that... Everything about me is just drab. Isn't that what they used to call sort of a
1: diseased Georgian <laughs> prostitute? That sounds way more exciting
0: than, than I feel. Um, no, I just feel like all the colours like being sort of rushed out of my life. Do you know what I mean? Anyway, but there is light at the end of the tunnel and there is light at the end of the panic attack because we are all going to have a little bit of therapy right now. Anna Martha is a psychotherapist, best-selling author and podcaster. She's also an Insta-hit, offering mental health moments that are honest and heartfelt, as well as helpful. Her book, Mind Over
2: Mother, is out now, and we could tell you more. But first, we have to ask you, Anna, how are you? Hi, thanks for having me. So, yeah, I'm absolutely fine, but I just, I'd really benefit from spending a little bit more time with someone that I didn't marry or... Make
1: <laughs> yeah, just to
2: get away. Just oh, because when you're in the house a lot, you know, it's it's work, it's kids, it's there's
1: just yeah, I'm not going enough places. It's the hell of the familiar, isn't it? And also, mm. uh, and also, um, uh, we've talked about this before, but I'm finding it uh, it's almost increasing as the months go on that when you hit a strange or dark or drab place, there's no new stimulus to sort of turbocharge you out of it, so you're stuck in the sewage of your own feelings. In the puff of my own snot, basically. <laughs> it's all, we're, very, we're very bodily today, aren't we? I I very know. bodily. But that's, we're, we're
2: humans. Like, we're created for, like, interaction and experience and adventure. And I just don't think I realise quite how adventurous it used to be going for a play date. Like, even <laughs> the chaos and the stress of that and, like, the half-finished conversations leaning against a washing machine. You know, they never kind of felt enough at the time, but I think even just that chaos used to give me more than I realized. Yeah, think like
1: We'd all started to realize that life was kind of about community, and we had started to stop being in ivory towers and you know locked in, and to develop these meaningful relationships. We were meditating, we were doing everything right, we were practicing self care, and then this comes along, and we keep going with our good stuff and our good intentions, but then this pandemic and the stage of the world keeps rolling out and we run out of surge capacity and we end up just cornered you know feeling almost every woman I speak to at the moment feels pretty terrible yeah in quite a undramatic nothing to write home about one foot in front of the other kind of way
2: mm. we're just a bit depleted I just I was just thinking you know in a, like those are old cars they kind of run out of petrol and they just kind of sputter Like to do a bit of a halt. I feel a bit like that at the minute. And I think it's, it's fatigue, isn't it? It's depletion. It's the fact that we're just kind of like on this, I don't know, like treadmill that sometimes going faster than we want it to sometimes just feels like it's not going fast enough to keep up momentum. And we're just, yeah, we're just knackered really. Yeah. And I think as well,
0: the, um, I mean, I was speaking to my therapist yesterday and, um, I'm doing all the work normally when I would be feeling like this heightened or, or, sort of panicked, it would be a reminder to like eat properly and do yoga or swim or whatever it is or, and speak to my therapist regularly and speak to friends and I'm doing all of that. And I still feel like this sort of low level thrum of, 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 of anxiety. It's like
2: yeah. my constant companion. So the old
1: tricks aren't working. So Anna, what are the new tricks?
2: Do you know what? I think a big part of it is acknowledging that it's hard because it's hard. You know, yes. sometimes we go through times in life and they just are hard. And I think we're kind of, you know, with this, we want to do things better. We want to feel better. We're always kind of trying to pursue a better state of mind. And actually, sometimes it is just it's hard because it is hard. Yeah. So and just to
1: accept that actually just, not to take yeah. a global pandemic personally. Don't
2: take it personally, unless you started
1: it, in which case
2: maybe think about your actions. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, I think no, it's the desire to, to learn more through it and from it and to grow through it and grow from it. But actually, sometimes it's just about getting through it.
0: Yeah, I think I feel at at the beginning, you know, when we back in March, as Annabelle says, when we were all about five years younger, the um, you know, it was a sort of constant move of of self improvement, whether it was like banana bread or
1: sourdough, or was like it was. We weren't listen. Let's face it, we were fucking high. (laughs) We've been locked up. There was drama drama everywhere you looked, and we we were like, okay, we can do this. Exactly, this isn't a. Well, we can do this. Yes, thinking that thinking that two and a half months later we'd be able to stop doing it, yeah, yeah. would resume, and that would be it.
2: Push through that bit, and then it will pop out the end, and and yeah, everyone will have a renewed sense of like enjoying the little things in life, and perfected their banana bread, and we'll all be glowing and rested when actually we're just. We're still plodding on, and we, we can't see the end in sight. And as humans, we 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 need hope to keep going, don't we? And I think that's the hard thing. It feels like the dangled carrot just kind of keeps inching forward every time we move, and we're just like flopping slowly on the floor. I can't go any further now. I need you know, I need the hope of Christmas. I need a party to look forward to.
1: it's it's hard isn't it without anything to look forward to and I read the other day that one of the keys to managing anxiety right now and also some of the stuff around these feelings of of, of not being good enough is to think in the short term is to not think you know will I be able to go to a Christmas party do I dare to plan my next summer holiday will I be able to get another job in the pipeline so I can then redo the leaking kitchen and just honestly think in terms of weeks and start and really just narrow your perspective do you think there's Mm -hmm. something in that
2: Definitely. And I think, you know, it's in the fantasy of the holiday and the getting away and the, you know, I'm fantasizing, quite frankly, a, about a week long spa break with a masseuse called Juan who just gives <laughs> me a good old rub down on the daily. But, you know, what is it in that, in that desire that that we can meet somehow in a, even if it's in a small way now you know what is it that you need space is it that you need a break is it that you need some excitement or some company and how how can you kind of distill that down a little bit and even if it's not the same going out for a walk with your mate in a gnt it's a little something and i think when we get frustrated we kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater. and you know yes another zoom chat with a mate isn't really going to hit the spot but it's better than nothing, and I think often I found myself tempted to be like, I can't be asked. Like, what's the point in arranging another walk and a talk because I want to go away, I want to go and have fun? It's not enough, but it is. It's something. Yeah. Something. Also, it
1: prevents. I guess it prevents our circumstances becoming a kind of dance of death, self-fulfilling prophecy, where you end up thinking, <sighs> I'm so alone, I feel so alone. Therefore, I will make sure I am alone.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we kind of isolate ourselves as a, a coping mechanism, but it's not, it makes it, yeah, it's not fun. We need people. No. We can't have people. A lot of it, I keep thinking like a lot of what I get in light of what I want is like wanting a big three-course Sunday roast and eating a stale poppadom. Yeah. You know, it, it it doesn't feel enough, but it is, it is something. And don't discount the something. Keep going after the something,
1: even if that's not, everything do you know i think you're really right because i feel like i feel like t- t- i think you feel this too em there's a i feel slightly at risk of shutting down yeah of just of absolutely of like just being closed for business
0: yeah and and also of some kind of atrophy exactly where you where you of just being frozen in the in the panic and not mm. moving not
1: moving not even trying to move through it because you feel like there's no point point. and also i think this sounds very shallow it takes a lot of therapy to be this shallow but i think that at the beginning of lockdown to a certain extent we were scared for our lives Mm. And now we're scared for our lifestyles. Yes. You know, will we be able to recreate our frameworks? And yeah, we want to tweak them. It might have been a bit manic before, a little bit, you know, spread thin before. But I'm finding it hard to visualise the way I want to live.
0: Yes. I think that it became clear. One of the sort of overriding feelings before was, I now know I don't want to go back to how I was running my life before. But you're right. I also don't know back to this sort of ambiguity in these gray areas, I don't know what, my, what I want my new, new life to look like.
2: Yeah. You know, the, the gap between what we expect and the reality of where our actual resources are and what we're actually able to do which is challenged anyway when we're going through a global pandemic because all our resources are challenged just by kind of navigating it and making sense of it. But that gap that sits between with what we feel we should be doing and the reality of what we can do, that's where there's like guilt and criticism and shame and comparison and then we're just going to beat ourselves up for it. We do not need more of that in our life. Like we no. do not need more self-criticism. We don't not need to be bullying ourselves and judging ourselves and seeking comparison so that we can shame ourselves like we do that enough to say it is
0: no, yeah and make, sh-
2: making that gap smaller is so important
0: yeah because otherwise you just get sort of you surrender to the shitty committee as it were all yeah yeah that, another thing that has really inspired me listening to one of your podcasts was um, a long time ago when I went to my therapist she gave me the oxygen mask analogy which is that you know, um, the oxygen mask drops down and you have to give it to yourself first
1: and not other people. And I'm a tendency Because you will not be able to help other people if you can't breathe. Yeah, but I still... You can't even tell the whole metaphor because it is so (laughs) alien to you. Correct. (laughs) You've got to give it to other people. Yeah, whatever. Who (laughs) the fuck? Of course, that's all you've got (laughs) to do. Share it
0: around. And I still, I have tried really hard in like six years of therapy to, to come round to this oxygen mask. And then yesterday, I was listening to your podcast and it said, You said the pilot of the plane (laughs) Mm. needs to be hydrated. You need to know when, when you're getting on a plane that the pilot is hydrated, has enough sleep, feels good about themselves, has been to a spa for a week with a oh, with a masseuse, masseuse called Poul Juan. Mm. Exactly, or whatever. And I suddenly, and obviously this speaks directly to my sense of control freakery and, and you yeah. know we can analyse this at a different time, but I suddenly made sense. I was like yes, I am the pilot and I need to look after myself. And it was so interesting. Yes, because, because
1: your codependency is so extreme you can't deal with the oxygen mask, exactly. right? Exactly. But so. your control freakery can kick in with the pilot's stuff. Exactly. Okay, so, okay, good. okay good. You see, <laughs> so we can use dysfunction to our benefits well
0: i mean i think that's a that's a wonder that's the gift that keeps on giving anyway mm-hmm. but there you go so now i'm the pilot and I'm yeah liking it
2: yeah i i don't know why i i i think it could have something to do with the fact that a lot of us were brought up by parents that have been impacted by the war mentality so their parents been in the war and so the mothers were often kind of the homemakers and the doers and the that somehow along the way we've learned that to love well is to give ourselves away. Like, to love is to do. To love is to run around. To love is to meet your kids' needs before they realise they even have one. And actually, what gets lost in the
1: process? You. I mean, it's funny, isn't it, looking at those um, inspirational quotes and stuff on Instagram at the moment. So they're not, they are not resonating the way they used to. It's like, you know, when are no. something about love and by Rumi. You know, I relate far more to fuck off, I mean good morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, you know, the failure, yeah, The
1: failure, the irritability, the panic, you know, and I just, maybe, yeah, it's a time to, it's a time just to not ask very much of ourselves.
2: Yeah, like it's the, you got, you know, the, the other one that kind of gets me a bit at the minute is like, you've got this. And so, well, actually, sometimes <laughs> we haven't, and it's really helpful to realise that we haven't got this so we can get
1: it from others. Yeah. I think a problem at the moment, though, is that... um uh, is that so many of us have experiencing this uh, a sense of real erosion of our identities mm. because we you know we were partly defined by the commute partly defined by the pub partly defined by the work pub. yeah and, and and nothing is as it was and so i certainly um i i don't have a clear sense of who i'm dealing with on a daily basis no, i really yeah. don't i don't know the my normal own reactions. mechanisms yeah, yeah.
2: For all our normal coping mechanisms, so for so many people, their coping mechanism for anxiety in life is to fill the diary. You know, so there isn't really space, and then cancel to feel, (laughs) and then then cancel it all and hide away. But yeah, we're kind of being faced with the fact that so many of our normal coping mechanisms and our normal go-to's to kind of help keep us on the straight and narrow and not feeling and just head down, carry on, have been taken away, or they're harder to access. So we've kind of been left with more of ourselves. And that's a challenge, you know, that's a lot to, to face when maybe there are parts of yourself that you've been running from and suddenly you're having to look at it or stay in a house with
1: it. I am relying, and, uh, I, and I have no sort of shame or judgment around this, I think it's fine, but I'm relying really, really heavily on telly. Okay. On watching TV. Yeah, I think that's true. And I suppose that subconsciously, I'm trying to give my TV life the sort of texture that my nice, actual, real life might have. So, so quite a lot of, you know... Selling Sunset, but then a little bit of some good stuff as well, and some good drama, and so you know. So I'm not just, so it's not just chewing gum for my brain. But, I mean, can you imagine doing all of this with no telly and no internet? No. <laughs> I love no. these it. horrified pause. Yeah, I mean, exactly. like. like like you like, like you're just needlepoint.
0: And I think it's interesting the way that I mean, you know, the way that we congregate around TV, like those water cooler moments. I had an interesting conversation about how um, how we've all created water cooler moments when there are no water coolers because yeah. you're yeah. not. And the idea, like the way that people sort of jumped on normal people at the beginning of lockdown, or the way that people jumped on, I mean, Schitt's Creek more more recently. All of these fit people, you know, it, it, it's like everybody comes together to have a to have a kind of Well
1: it's
0: new excuse for a shared experience yes. isn't it? Yes yes yeah. exactly when there are yeah. very few shared experiences but I think it's interesting as well my biggest thing has been you know recently to admit that I am a little bit unhappy. I think that I felt really guilty about feeling that way just because I'm so lucky because I have a house and um mm-hmm. and I have a, a a job and you know uh things are okay and then I felt shame that I wasn't able to kind of somehow just do this exactly like you said just yeah. Just power through. But also,
1: if you admit you're a little bit unhappy, then you, then some part of you thinks that you're opening the floodgates to be as unhappy as you used to be, yeah. we used to be. Yeah, 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 you know? yeah, absolutely. So so, so it's actually, really that is a useful lesson, is to understand that you can, it is possible to be a little bit unhappy to without being be devastated bit by it. Yes. Yeah.
2: But I think that's it. I think that's what a lot of the purpose of being so busy beforehand has been to kind of just try not to feel those feelings. Out of fear that, you know, oh my gosh, if I acknowledge that I'm unhappy, will I be depressed forevermore or if I acknowledge that I'm finding this overwhelming will I be hit by this kind of tidal wave of overwhelm and never be able to function again when actually you know it's I've I've been feeling like I've lived on a roller coaster and you know I've actually got far more in touch with my emotions but also way more trusting of them is that if I have a crap morning it'll probably be okay and I'll probably be laughing again this afternoon. Whereas before, I used to try and change it or like positive mental attitude my way out of it or quickly like plan something in that might cheer me up or, you know, I tried to do something to that feeling. And actually, I think there's less that we can do now. We do the bit of escapism with the TV and, you know, but but I think it gives us an opportunity to trust those feelings more. And to accept actually, that we won't
1: feel the bad ones forever. Yeah, I read, and also it's about, isn't it, it's about feeling your feelings. That's the Holy Grail, isn't it? I I read something somewhere the other day that said something like, being happy is not the ideal state, being whole is.
2: Yeah, and being anchored, like being, like feeling like you've got your anchor down, even if your boat's bobbing around. You know, knowing those fundamental, those fundamental truths about you, uh, you know, that you're trying to do good things, that you're loved and that you're okay. And sometimes it's just it's just knowing what things we need to hold on to, to, to anchor us, to remind us that, you know, even if everything else is all up in the air, there are those fundamental truths that I'm loved and I'm OK. And
1: I think if your communication with people around you starts to fade away, um, then what you can be left with is the idea that you are lazy and bad and everybody else yeah. is coping just fine. And that is almost yeah. always not the case. We
2: always, when we, when we fall into comparison, we're normally trying to prove something. We're, I don't like to be wrong about myself. If I think I'm failing, I'm going to look around with, through that lens to find proof of the fact that I am right about myself. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So if you're feeling isolated, yeah. it does become a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy because you will look around and focus on those things that seem to prove that you deserve to be.
1: It's like that thing that we always talk about. If you're feeling isolated and lonely and you look at your phone, you think, why does no one call me? And then it rings. You yeah. think, Who the fuck is calling yeah. me? <laughs> how better dare they? Yes, how I'm, dare they? Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're all such maniacs, which is what makes us beautiful rainbows. I think
2: we do know about comparison. We know to try and not co- compare our lives, like behind the scenes, front of the scenes, etc., etc., highlight reels and all of that. But we do it so much with emotions, which is what you were talking about, you know, what you were touching on about, well, I, I I, should be grateful, you know, because I have a home. I should be grateful because I haven't lost anyone to COVID, that I've got my feet under a desk instead of under a hospital bed. You know, when what we do is we just shame our emotions, then we build kind of a damn wall against them. They get stagnant and stuck and they don't go anywhere. We sweep them under the carpet and then the carpet gets lumpy and then we twist our ankle you know, and actually, we don't do that with positive things. Like, I shouldn't feel happy because so and so has it better than me. You know, someone else's broken leg doesn't make your stub toe hurt any less. Mm. A feeling is a feeling.
0: Yeah, no, I know. I mean, I've I, I've spent my whole life invalidating my own feelings.
1: <laughs> so, so, so it's but an exercise. But also, feelings are really important. But if, if we just yeah. flip it on its head, just to be sort of slightly devil's advocate, no. they're not that important. And I remember my my shrink, who was a both a titan and an absolute brute. And I was at. I was pulverized. I was really on the floor. She was really worried. Everyone was really worried. I was basically having a deinstitutionalized nervous breakdown. And at one point in the middle of this carnage, she looked at me. And she went, "You know what?" the only yeah. feelings <laughs>
2: <laughs> sorry I'm
1: laughing
0: because it's like no I don't even know what these feelings you know, are yeah.
1: of yeah. course they're important but at the same time they aren't serial killers they aren't they're, pandemics they're not even they always a reflection floods, on who fires. you are and
2: how good a person you are it's that perspective again and it's you know gratitude is really helpful to bring perspective but don't beat yourself over the over the bottom with it you know let bring in gratitude I'm so grateful that I'm safe at home but I still feel overwhelmed and that it's okay. And the, and the kitchen's leaking, leaking. and, it, yeah. and I, you know, I've cried today five times or, but I'm also grateful. And it's yeah. like gratitude just averts your eyes from focusing purely on the tough stuff
1: and the emotion. Yeah. I think sometimes you can be kind to yourself, but fierce to your feelings. So, you know, I've found yeah. there have been, uh, there's been points in my life when I've turned around, you know, I, sound, I really sound really deranged. Now. when I've turned around to a feeling and said, this is inappropriate. This is inappropriate and you will not be here now and this is not going to happen now. God does that work. I'm going to practice. Yeah, it does that. sometimes actually. I just particularly when you're when you know that you're having a bit of a wallow.
0: Yeah. No, I think because I think yeah. that's the thing. I mean, I can literally find anything to beat myself. It's interesting that you talked about, you know, T- having gratitude hit you
1: on the bottom yeah, if your I computer mean, runs out of battery you're like I can't even take care of that
0: exactly I can't even I, I, my, my battery is flat <laughs> this is it I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a failure <laughs> it's a metaphor for my life <laughs> well that's true <laughs> exactly oh, it's running down from 90 to 17 in half a day just like me um, but uh, no I think I, you know honestly yes exactly I can beat myself with gratitude for fuck's sake like there is nothing that I can't pick up and
2: be grateful you've got a laptop grapeful, even, grapeful. you've got a laptop <laughs> yeah, exactly. Really grateful, exactly. but but this is why I love the word "and." You can feel grateful for having a laptop, and frustrated that it's just given up, and that you don't know where the cable is. Like you can feel grateful for having a safe home, and completely overwhelmed and steamrolled by the circumstances. And neither one has to swat out the other. Yeah, they're not. Mutually I think this is exclusive. often what we do, isn't it? They, it's okay to to be happy and sad at the same time. It's okay to feel grief for the fact that. You, you had to cancel your summer holiday and also grateful that you had the money to... But I love a broken place.
1: laptop is yeah. actually the perfect meta- metaphor for that bit in the, Bren, in the Venn diagram where gratitude meets fury. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you've smashed it.
2: But it's par- that's parenting as well, isn't it? I like the idea of the and
0: because it feels really like inclusive. It's like and as opposed to sort of, you know... Yes, because we should be bringing... Right.
1: Abundance into our lives yes, at the we're moment, mani- not living in the lack. That's what Brenny Brown says. That's very good. Don't live in the lack. That's good. So we're manifesting rather than manifesting. No manifesting here. It's just mouldy. <laughs> no no manifest. Can manifest over anything this <laughs> end.
2: It's harder to fight anxious thoughts when you're exhausted.
1: Yes, yeah, sleep is a whole other sort of
2: <laughs> You say <sleep>. Annabelle stopped <laughs> sleeping again. I've stopped sleeping again. Yeah. So what, what's happened with your sleep then? If
1: no one knows. No it's one. one knows. Of the great mysteries of the world. It doesn't she, appear. She wakes to be anxiety. up at four a.m. Between three thirty and four 30 every day. It doesn't appear to be anxiety. It doesn't appear to be hormones. Um, it doesn't appear to be adrenals. So it is one of the great mysteries of the universe now. And so I'm trying to just calmly live with it because it is much easier to deal with when I'm not suited and booted it's at eight thirty to go to meetings yeah. because yeah. they're all yeah. on Zoom. Yeah. So it's quite a good time. I'm hoping that it will pass by the time that you know everything gets it gets manic again. But um, but sleep's a big thing for our listeners. You know, it's a constant. Either they can't get to sleep yeah. or they're awake for hours in the night or they're yeah. up super early. And we're all, you know, we're all given the recipe for sleep, which is, you know, you know, it just, you know, I could reel them off, and they each one's more oh, annoying there. than the last. Whether it's lavender or, um, or or no screens or meditation or no or no caffeine after midday. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, sleep is it, it's it's much more nuanced than that, and sometimes it just yeah. it just you know it just eludes it just eludes. Yeah. But there's
2: resignation and you know, I'm hearing resignation in your voice, like, well, you know, it is what it is right at the minute. What you're hearing
1: is acceptance.
2: Yes. And but isn't there something in that? Because I think so much of our shame, our, our own frustration, our guilt, our sense of being out of control is that we are trying to control something that we can't.
1: Well, I'm certainly a much more cheerful insomnia than I was last time it got bad. Aren't yeah. I? yeah.
0: When when we had your a year year of sleeping dangerously, mm. um, it was really you know it, it affected everything in all areas. Whereas I think you genuinely are much more kind of accepting, and you know maybe that means hopefully that you'll have a shorter run at it. Well, that's what I'm hoping. I'm yeah. hoping I can I yeah. can cheat it. Part of the thing for me is that being sort of very aware of what's going on because you and I talk all the time or because we talk to experts like you or because we you know we do a lot of thinking around this stuff and yet still being powerless to kind of stop my
1: own sort of slide into yes but I mean yes I know but however much you know about it I mean you know with with no no disrespect to Anna every therapist I've ever worked with or known is as insane as I am or more which is what makes you able to practice
2: I get people every now and again saying, why do you still talk about getting anxious thoughts when you work with anxiety? And I'm like, a heart surgeon is not a perk of the job that you'll <laughs> never get, you know, she will never get heart angina, seeds. But <laughs> <laughs> never get angina because have you, have you seen the letters after my name? But actually, you know, I there's, I really like the thought of like the first thought, second thought. So we cannot control the thoughts that come into our mind. We, we simply can't. We can't control intrusive thoughts. We can't. But, but we can control what we do after. And it takes energy to do this. And I think this is why it's hard at the minute because we're so depleted. It takes energy to bring in a second thought rather than just be passive. So, uh, for example, I didn't drive for 10 years because I used to get intrusive thoughts about crashing my car accidentally or on purpose. So I just didn't drive for 10 years. It was easy just not to drive. Now I drive multiple times a day. I still get those thoughts still get the thoughts, but I know what they are. I know they're just thoughts, but it does take energy sometimes when I'm driving past a lorry and I'm getting an intrusive thought to be like, no, I'm going to do my breathing. It's just a thought, you know, and I think it's that second thought. It's that that's what you have control over, but also acknowledging that it takes energy to to rationalise things, and and this is why I think at the minute we're all like, I know what I should be doing, but it's really hard to do it. And this is why it's because we're using a lot of energy on just kind of navigating this this
1: strange, what they call it, unprecedented time. <laughs> yeah, they call it. They call it unprecedented times. They also call it the new normal. Yeah. What about just the shit normal? I and mean, what advice would you give people who are feeling? Um, panicked and out of control at the moment and some slightly shorter breath and not knowing if they've got another six months of this left in them
2: Mm. just to have a little assessment of what their coping mechanisms are and what their support network is you know where are they putting those emotions what do they need actually I think that's a big one isn't it you know what what do you what do you need like what do you need I think often the fixation it's also another coping mechanism to kind of look at everyone around you and make sure that they're okay when actually you know the bigger question is are you okay like even just starting to ask yourself what do you need have that have it as a reminder in your phone like twice a day what do you need and how can you meet meet that need slightly even if it's not in the way that you would fantasize about that need being met
1: Mm.
2: You know, and just starting to get in touch with with your needs and your feelings, so that you can
1: verbalize them. Actually, I think, and if you were to do that in the micro, in the micro, you you might become more adept at doing it in the macro. Yeah. If you think, what do I need? And it's you know, a glass of water, a cozy jumper, a little bit of a lie down. You know, then maybe you'll be able to be, say, you know, yeah. deal with some of the bigger stuff. Yeah,
0: it might be something you can take out of this experience because. You know, if you're like me, a sort of wantless, needless person, someone who doesn't know, you know, to just use this opportunity to kind of really drill down into that.
1: Yeah, into, into what micro I need, needs. Into micro macro needs. needs are super confusing. Yeah,
0: but micro needs are be good. Okay, it's all about the micro needs. But it's
2: building trust with yourself again. Like If you've deprioritized your needs for so long, there's going to be a part of you that doesn't even know what they are. So if you can kind of build trust in the small start to articulate the small, then you'll get it's like that inner child thing, you'll know all about that. But it's that, you know, it's it's getting in touch with that inner child that has the needs and has probably tried to express them, but you've told them to shut up. It's very inconvenient, be quiet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll come and talk to you when I've got time. And so that they stop they stop shouting. They stop asking. And it's 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 growing in confidence again to even be able to acknowledge them to yourselves in the small so that in time maybe you'll be able to acknowledge the bigger needs and then verbalise them and have them met.
1: Well Anna we, we wish you luck from the bottom of our hearts with Juan <laughs> <laughs> Oh Juan Juan and your spark trip <laughs> and who knows we may even see you there yes oh, exactly that'd
0: be a dream can you save a barbed bed next to it yeah. great
1: yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yes yeah, so we'll see you on the other side and I hope you'll come back and talk yeah. to us to yeah. thank you please. I'd love to it thank, thank you so much for thank having me thank you so much you've been listening to Annabelle Rifkin and Emily McMeekin of the Mid-Alt our book I'm Absolutely Fine is out now if you like what you hear please rate review and subscribe and we'll just leave you with this thought The early bird can have the worm because
0: worms are disgusting and mornings are stupid.